Today's reading is taken from John chapter 4, verses 1 to 26. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kinds of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who you speak to, I who speak to you am he. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Can everyone hear me at the back? I can't hear you, so... (laughs) Um, Well... If you've got your Bibles with you, please keep them open at chapter 4 of of the Gospel of John. Can you hear me at the back? Good. Thank you. It's always good to have God's Word open 
Okay. So today's passage, um, we're looking at John 4, and it's all centered, the scene here, around a well in Samaria. A well that has been quenching people's thirst all the way back to the time of Jacob. And Jesus sits at this well, tired from his journey. And it's the middle of the day, so the sun's at its hottest and the highest in the sky. But even though Jesus was by the well, physically thirsty, he had no way of drawing water from it. And as we look at this passage, we're going to see that the Samaritan woman um, is in a similar situation in the sense that she's spiritually thirsty, but she has no way of quenching that thirst herself. So we all get thirsty, don't we? Uh, especially in Hong Kong, and especially with weather like this. Um, maybe you fancy a drink right now. There's nothing better, is there, than a nice cold glass of water on a day like today um, to quench your thirst. But this, this woman has no way of quenching her thirst. I mean, we can turn on the tap or we can go to a water cooler. But if you had to regularly go to a well to get your water every day, I wonder what time of day that you would go to the well. You probably wouldn't go when it was the hottest time of day, would you? You'd try and get out before that time so that you could be back in the shade when the sun was at its highest and you could be sipping that water when it was the hottest time. There's a few reasons why you might end up going at the hottest time of the day like this woman. Um, First of all, like Jesus, he's just arrived from a journey, hasn't he? So if you arrive at whatever time and you need some water, you're going to go to the well. Another reason is if you've just been busy and you forgot to go earlier in the day. Although in hot weather, I, I imagine that gathering water is, is probably a high priority on your list of things to do for the day. Or another reason to go at the hottest time of the day is because you wouldn't bump into anyone. No one else would be maybe that silly to go at that time of day. So you'd know that you'd have peace and quiet. There'd be no one there to say things about you. There'd be no one there to, to meet up with and bump into and have to talk to. And this is actually the reason why we see this woman at the well in the heat of the day. Jesus asks her for some water And she's shocked because men didn't really talk to women um, in this culture and in that way. And also, Jesus is a Jew and she is a Samaritan. Now, the Jews didn't really like the Samaritans. They were part of the northern tribes of Israel who'd gone away from God's will and intermarried with other nations who worshipped other gods and so drew them away from God. They lost their identity, and the Jews thought that when it came to God's plans, they had faded into irrelevance, that they were traitors and betrayers of the living God, and so they had nothing to do with them if they could. She says, you're asking me for a drink, and Jesus' answer is profound. Verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, 
you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus sees this woman and he recognizes the deep thirst within her. That spiritual thirst that everyone has. You, me, and everyone out there has this spiritual thirst. According to Livestrong.com, it's actually relatively common for people to confuse thirst for hunger. A registered dietitian points out that the same part of your brain is responsible for interpreting hunger and thirst signals, which can result in mixed signals about whether we are hungry or thirsty. And this is a good example of how we can misinterpret those signals and fill ourselves with the things that we don't really need, with things that can't really satisfy us. Now we know we're thirsty for something, but we misinterpret that thirst to try and satisfy it with the wrong things. So instead of turning to Jesus, the living water, to fill our real need, our spiritual thirst, we go elsewhere. And we say, I'll be satisfied in my career, or my family, or in this sports team that's going to win the Euros, or in this holiday that I'm looking forward to, or this friendship that I have. And so, one of the biggest challenges of evangelism is that people don't see that they are really thirsty. They don't realize that their thirst is a spiritual one and they still try to fill it in other ways. There's a saying that you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink. And quenching of thirst is something that only Jesus can do. That only God can do through Jesus. So we've seen that people are thirsty and they try to quench that thirst every day, whether it's a worker getting a pat on the back from their boss or receiving a paycheck, getting a promotion, getting an A in your exams, or just hearing someone say, I love you. But it's not lasting. And really, it's a muddy puddle compared to what we really need. A man dying of thirst would would drink from a dirty puddle because of desperation and when we're that thirsty we look for things to fill us don't we because we're desperate we have a word in the english language which is fulfilled now fulfilled is the word full and filled crammed together so it's even fuller and it's used to describe satisfaction in fulfilledness The definition in the Cambridge English Dictionary is this. Feeling happy because you are getting everything that you want from life. For the first time in my life, I feel really fulfilled. And this is why it can be hard to get across to some people that they have an inner thirst. Because the media and and the world is telling them, yes, these things will fulfill you, all these things will make your lives fulfilling. Family, money, a nice house, a nice car, all these things will fulfill you and give you that satisfaction. And when people have these things, they start to believe it because they're filling themselves and they're seeing things that other people want. So they think, well, I must be fulfilled because 
everyone else wants these things and I have them. But this can mean that they don't always understand this real thirst that's in them, like we saw the misunderstanding of thirst and hunger. So people come to fill themselves and they don't. And when we, when we approach them and tell them, you know, we have Jesus who, who fulfills us, often they say, oh, I, I don't need that. I'm fulfilled in this way. My family fulfill me or I'm fulfilled in that way. I'm a successful uh, person in my, in my line of business, in my career. And so it can be hard for us to know what to say and maybe get discouraged from, evangel- discouraged from evangelism because we, we see that, they, that we can't get through to them. But don't be discouraged because actually Jesus knows exactly what they need. And we see that next in the story. The Samaritan woman doesn't understand. The Samaritan woman doesn't understand what Jesus is offering her. She says, well, if I had this water, I wouldn't have to keep coming back to the well. That would be great. And Jesus points the woman to what she's turning to, to satisfy her. He says, go fetch your husband and come back. And in verse 16, she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, that's true. You've had five and the man that you now are with is not your husband. Jesus reveals to the woman what she's trying to get fulfillment from. He points out to her that she's been going to quench her thirst with men, with sex, with a perfect relationship. With this companionship that she longs for, self-worth and affirmation that she's striving for. This is what she's trying to fill herself with. But Jesus knows that really she's spiritually thirsty and that what he has to offer her and only him is this living water that can quench her greatest need. So in verse 14 he says... Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus is saying that he is offering this living water and that that is more important than the physical water that she's gone to collect from the well that we need every day to live, and actually, which makes up about 70% of our body. That's how important this living water is, Jesus says, because he's trying to address a greater need, that this living water is God himself, and that we need God himself more than we need our daily water. Here's what God says about himself in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Here God calls himself the spring of living water, whilst the Israelites dig their own wells. And Jesus is offering himself, God's own son, to these people 
In verse 26, Jesus reveals to her that he's the Messiah, God's chosen one. He's the one who knows us and who created us and so can satisfy that need within us. Another interesting point is that we see in chapter 3, just one chapter earlier in the book of John, how Jesus has had a one-to-one conversation with another man who's completely different from this woman that he's talking with now, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a well-respected man. He's important. He's part of the Jewish establishment. He's religious. He's wealthy. He has a name. This lady has no name in the, in the story. She's a complete outcast, and they couldn't be more different. Yet Jesus meets them both where they are. He addresses their real need, that spiritual thirst. And he offers them both this spiritual water. It's Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. And he shows them that their real thirst can be quenched completely. Because Jesus, of course, dies for our sin. He, He brings about restoration through himself so that we can be in relationship with God. And from that relationship, we see that we can be quenched. We can be quenched not only spiritually, but that actually wells up in us to become uh, more than just a spiritual thing. That it actually fulfills us and makes its way through us physically and mentally, restoring us. So by by the power of the Spirit, these things can happen. As far um, then this morning that we've met this woman in the middle of the day and she's getting water to quench her physical need, she, she meets Jesus and he shows her this real thirst is, can be fulfilled. And what does she do? What does she do next? Verse 28, further on in the passage, says this, Then, leaving her water jar... The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. The Samaritan woman is so excited to share her experience of Jesus that she goes back to town without what she went there for. The very reason she went there was for the water, and she leaves that behind. And what then? Not only that, but she talks to the very people that she was trying to avoid by going at that time of day. She goes and tells them to come and meet Jesus. She tells them of her personal testimony. She tells them how powerful Jesus has been in her life through what he's known about her and how he's pointed her from what she's looking to now to himself. In a few more verses later, in uh, verse 39 in chapter 4, it says this, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And this can be the power 
of a personal testimony when we share it. And this is because if we understand what it is to be thirsty when we go to God, other people will recognize that and we can share that. If we think about it, um, people don't go. If If you're thirsty, you don't go to another thirsty person for water, do you? If you need a drink, you don't go to someone who's thirsty. You go to someone who's satisfied or someone who's overflowing. Someone who's overflowing with with water, with life. And this is the example here that people go to see because they're so amazed at the change in this woman that she's been quenched. You know, you can see how passionate someone is from their testimony. If we're not passionate, no one will. No one's going to want to come and see what we have to offer. If you are thirsty today, then you have nothing to go and tell your friends about or show them. If you come to Jesus to be satisfied, then he will satisfy you. And when the time comes, you'll be able to show that to others. Jesus says in verse 14 um, that... He's a spring, of, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And here's the difference. When it comes to a well, you can fill it up. You can fill it with dirt. And that's it. The, well, the well's covered over. But when it comes to a spring, you can't cover over a spring. Because it keeps bubbling up out of the ground. You can't stop it. You can cover it up. But it will still find a way out. The water will burst out somewhere. Even if you try and hold it in, it will come out. And this is, this is what Jesus offers us. Something that can't be um, squashed and quashed. But something that's quenched and overflowing. Um, There's one story I want to share with you before we close, and it's from a friend of mine um, in London. And he, he tells of this story where a guy called David, let's call him David, um, he was struggling at work to, to have gospel opportunities with his colleagues. Then one day, uh, his colleague James failed to show up at work on a Monday, and he failed up a failed to come to work again on the Tuesday. So David didn't really know James, but he thought, well, I'd better call him and see if he's okay. So he phoned him up and he says, are you okay? And James says, no, I haven't been able to get out of bed for three days. And he says, well, is someone looking after you? And he says, no, I live alone and my family are far away. Do you have medicine? No, I don't even have food. So that night, after work, David went to visit James. He took him to the doctor. He got him some food. He changed his bed. Every night for a week, he did this, looking after him. And after James came back to work, people started talking to David, asking him questions. Why did you do that? Why did you help him like that? And these questions gave David opportunity after opportunity to share Jesus with his colleagues. Because David's greatest need had been quenched by Jesus, he was completely fulfilled 
Nothing held him back when it came to care for others. And from that, the living water was overflowing from him in just such a simple way. The gospel, the living water, is for everyone. And we we shouldn't forget this. So in conclusion, as we close this morning, we need to remember that actually we're all spiritually thirsty. And we need that thirst to be quenched by Jesus, the living water. As I said earlier, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. It's the same. We can, we can go to Jesus to be quenched. We can't make others drink. But if they see what he's like, if we can see what he's like and allow him to fill us, then that overflows from us because we understand what he's done for us. As fulfilled people, we need to be thirsty for Jesus. We need to keep going back to that living water so that we can overflow as we share life with others around us. Will you be someone who points out others to the living water? And will you share your personal story with them? Or will you let them keep on thirsting? Thank you.